We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything. Go ahead and stand with me. Thank you so much for being here this morning. It is our final installment of This Could Be, and we're going to learn some lessons from Noah. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, how are you doing? Let's pray real quick. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Illuminate our hearts with your word this morning. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, as we need it in the amazing name of Jesus. And everyone says? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave hi at your neighbor. We are a friendly church. Thank you for whatever device you're streaming by. We appreciate you being part of our service this morning for sure. If you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Genesis is where we're going to start. Genesis chapter 6 is where we'll begin. And uh, just a couple housekeeping things I want to talk about is we're going to have a marriage conference uh, March 1st and March 2nd. And I want you to say, I want to say, come and be a part of that here. Make your marriage stronger. It's going to be a two-part conference, if you will, in here. We're going to... um, Jimmy Evans will be on the screens behind us, and of course he's a guru in that type of thing. And then in another room, we're also going to have uh, Mark and Jennifer here. They're amazing. They're experts at blended families. And uh, so come make your blended family stronger as husband and wife. Come make your marriage stronger. You won't uh, regret it. We'll have more of that um, pushed out to you next week, but I did want to whet your appetite. And what we're doing with that is we're also doing Wow the Vows. So um, we're going to do a three-part series over strong marriages, strong families, that type of deal, so that'll be coming up, and we want you to be a part of that. Here in Genesis, we learn something very important from Noah. What I love about this story, and as a pastor, I get very excited about this, because one thing that I do know about the creator of the world, Yahweh, our God, Jesus Christ, is that he is into the new. Amen. He is into the new. He's into us looking at him and saying, this is what I was, but I know through you I can be so much more. Hey, this is where I was at, but this is where I'm going, and I know with you as my God, then I can go where I need to go. So at this point in the year, we want to be excited about what God is continuing to do because this could be your year for greater increase, for greater opportunities, for greater relationships, a stronger marriage, whatever it might be. We believe that God is working within you, and it's very important at the first part of the year to put the those first fruits before God. And as we look into Noah here, we know that Noah came with the flood. Now, I'm going to go back and talk a little bit about history, and this is the reason why. We have a lot of new people, and I love it. We have a lot of people from all different backgrounds, and as we counsel and we do different things, many people don't always know the Bible like they should because of newness or different things like that. And some people think Noah is the guy who fell off the boat that got swallowed by the whale that parted the Red Sea. Now, the good news is there's water and all of that, but different guys, right? Different guys, we know that. Some of you guys, man, that just ruined my next sermon. Yeah, yeah, different guys, different guys. But we know that God worked through all those individually. And, uh, but today, we're going to talk a little bit about Noah and the ark, and primarily what Noah did after the water subsided from the earth. Now, here we see in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, we see that these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. It's important to know that Noah was selected for this task. God looked down from heaven and saw Noah and saw that he was a righteous man. You know, holiness is something that we should all pursue. As we learn in here, it wasn't just Noah. It was the other seven family members that went ahead of him into the ark. Amen? So your holiness does matter, not only for you, but people around you. 
So it's not just I can live my life the way that I want to. Oh, no, no, no. Holiness, holiness, and holiness changes things, amen, because God can work through that. But holiness, being like God, being righteous. Now, we know we're righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we can certainly help that by the actions that we choose or do not choose, amen. And Noah was doing some stuff right. And it's, it's interesting to know in the world that he lived in, Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Now remember that, violence means Hamas, okay? And we saw a taste of that, if you will, through um, Hamas invading Israel and how horrible that was, and we talked about that, and we won't get on that, and, and that battle is still raging over there, so we must keep them in prayer still. But that's, the, that's the, the level of violence. I mean, people's hearts were turned away from God and turned on themselves. It was about me and mine and, and how do we survive. And I'm telling you, if we get that way, especially in the spirit, we're living dangerously. We have to repent. Amen, Pastor Matt. Let's get preaching. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had, been, had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And we see that God makes a command here, and he's going to do something. And it's, it's gotten to a place where the world is corrupt, there's violence, people's hearts are turned away from God. And I love whenever we listen to people like Noah in the Bible, when we turn to, the, turn to Daniel and understand what he was doing in Babylon, because it takes our excuses away. Yeah, we feel pressure from culture. Yeah, we feel pressure from around us. But just because we feel that pressure does not mean that that gives us the right to act how we want to act. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, Jesus Christ is alive in our heart. Can I get an amen? We can overcome this thing, but we have to believe that we can. Here Noah was faced with building the ark. Many, many years went by as he built the ark. People no doubt coming by and ridiculing him. I mean, rain hasn't fell on the earth to this point. And all of a sudden you're saying God spoke to you and the world didn't even know God, didn't care about God. All they cared about was themselves. And then all of a sudden rain came and Noah looked like a genius. That's what happens when you obey God. He'll make you look smarter than you really are. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that, because some of us really need a lot of help. <laughs> Don't nudge your husband there. I know, I know. <laughs> but we see it. And then all of a sudden we see it. We see the corruption and all this other stuff. So just because culture's going one way doesn't mean we have to go that way. We don't have to take those same shortcuts and accept that kind of stuff and think like that and do that, amen? We can make a stand and say, God, this is how we're going to live. And, of course, we read into the New Testament with apostles and things like that. But it was filled with violence. That was the world that he lived in. And then, then in um, chapter 7, verses 1, it says, Then Noah said, or excuse me, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And we see that this big bolt, that, this big ark, if you will, that was 500 feet long and 50 feet tall, it's probably about a third of the size of the Titanic. Many of us know what the Titanic is, and it sank and everything. But it's about the third the size of that. That's how big this boat is that Noah built. And he said, listen, I want you to go up in that boat and be protected and bring your family. And he looked down, and he saw the righteousness of Noah. Now, it's important that we understand when he looked down and saw the righteousness of Noah, it was what whenever he looked down and he saw the righteousness of Job. It was not perfection as Jesus Christ is perfect. There's no none but one Jesus Christ. The rest of us aren't even come close. All of our righteousness, as the Bible says, is as filthy rags before, um, before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
So, so it wasn't that type of thing. What it was is God was looking down and he saw Noah and he saw that he was righteous. He saw a believer that was righteous, that was living his very best, the best way that he could to honor his God, his Lord and Savior. And that's where we pick up here because it wasn't about perfection. It wasn't about him knowing everything. It was about his relationship that he had with Yahweh as a believer. God said, this man's righteous. And this is the reason why our righteousness is so important, that we strive and do the very best that we can. Because seven other people was affected because of his righteousness. It's not just about us. It's about the people around us when we get in line in unity with the Lord and Savior. Amen? And he saw this. And he saved his whole family. And as we begin to see this, we're just going to talk about some very practical things the water ran down, and they believe that Noah, I've heard some different commentaries on this. The best that I can tell would be about a year. Could be a little more, could be a little bit less. But it was around a year that he was in this ark. One year, that's a long time to be trapped with your family in a building. Oh, amen, Pastor Matt. Some of us, three days at Christmas is too long to be trapped in the house with your family. Why do you vacation alone? Because I like peace, man. I don't have to share a bathroom, you know. I can get up. Oh, I'm telling you, it's true. A year. A year he was in this thing. And that has substantial things in the, in the future that we're going to learn about because there were some connections, no doubt, that he made after a year. But we see that he's there for a year. Then all of a sudden the water subsides and then he gets out and he does some things in this new life, in this new world, at this new place that's very critical. That I think that if we'll, um, if, if we'll at least look at and challenge ourselves, am I doing these things? And if I am, let me keep doing these. Or maybe I need to start doing some of these. But it caused him to accept that new life, that accept, accept that new place. The thing I love about new years and new opportunities is this could be your year. This could be your year for greater increase, greater opportunities, greater marriages, greater relationships. But you've got to be willing to do it the way that God said to do it. He knows what's behind that door and we do not. Our job is to open that door and walk through it in faith and say, God, I'm here. I want to be used by you. Let your Holy Spirit move through me because, man, this could be the year that I see deliverance. This could be the year that I push those things out of my way this could be the year that I'm deeper spiritually than I've ever been man this could be the year amen with my whole heart look at your neighbor and say man this could be the year this could be the year you got to believe it in your heart man that God you can move sovereignly but it also requires us doing what we can now we know that all the increase comes from God but it requires us saying God I'm going to get into a place and I'm going to do what you've called me to do Genesis chapter 8, verse 15 through 17, we pick up here, Noah, after the flood. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat, all of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, the small animals that scurry along the ground so that they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. And the first thing that I have to understand is this, we need to leave the boat. If you're taking notes, write that big, leave the boat. You have to be willing to leave it behind. Noah had to be willing to leave this boat behind. Now, let me ask you a question that's hard. What is your it? Because we all have one, but what is your it? Are you unwilling to leave something behind to get forward to where God's called you to be? It's hard to go forward when you're dragging a weight behind you. It's hard to go forward when you've got a parachute that the wind is blowing it back and you can't hardly move forward. It's hard, and we all must ask ourselves, what is our it? What is God speaking to us about? Is it unforgiveness? 
Is it forgiveness that you need to give? Is it something that you're bitter, you're frustrated, you're aggravated at? Is it, is it a business deal that didn't go the way that you thought it was gonna go and you thought that God was gonna deliver you and all this other kind of crazy stuff and it never happened? Is it a failed marriage or a failed relationship? You thought, surely God would swoop in the middle of this and God, you'll bail us out. Maybe a sickness that has hung on and you're trying your very best and man, you're praying, you're believing, you're seeking God and, and all of a sudden now you've got all these mixed emotions and God is trying to tell you, leave that, from behind, leave that behind and let me push you to where I want you to go. We all have an it. Maybe it's a gross sin that's attached to your life. Maybe it's a little sin. Sin is sin, but however you want to categorize it, that's between you and God. But whatever is keeping you, have you really laid it down at the feet of God and said, I'm no longer going to justify this. I'm no longer going to be okay with this. Good gosh, man, we live in a culture that's comfortable with sin. The church is plagued with it. There's so many Christians, for some reason, we have made ourselves comfortable with sin. And my prayer for us, and for me too, is God help us be uncomfortable with that. If it's not of you, let me kick that stuff out of my life and make sure my focus is on you what is it what is it because sometimes we lose God the great prophet went out into the mountain God wasn't in the tornado he wasn't in the fire he wasn't in the earthquake but in the stillness God spoke the disciples are on the ship. Jesus, we're about to perish. Can't you do something? Do you even care that we're going to die? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Oh, come on now. Honest prayers are good. Like, do you care, God, where you at? Man, I, I thought you could move. I thought you could do this. I thought you heard me. David does that. God, where are you at? I see my enemies prosper and I see all this other stuff. Man, what's going on? But here in a little while, he begins to get more involved with God and all of a sudden we begin to see he cheers himself up. But we've all prayed those prayers before. And then all of a sudden, Jesus rises from the ship and goes to the bow and he looks out and he says, peace be still. And in the stillness, we see God and in the stillness, we all of a sudden see the epiphany of the disciples' heart when they look out and they say the words, who is this that even the winds and the waves would obey him? See, we got to get past the chaos and leave it behind and allow God to rise up and say, storm, cease. And we hear God begin to move. But we got to be willing to leave it behind. We've got to be willing to say, God, we're moving from the ark to a different place. Now, you know this is hard because we all have things in our, in, in our homes or in our lives that we're hanging on to. Emotional connection, physical connection, spiritual connection. How many of you guys have a shirt hanging in your closet that you refuse to get rid of and it ain't going to fit no how? <laughs> if you're like me, you'll look at that and be like, listen, all I got to do is lose like 45 pounds, go back to my senior, and I can fit. I, it's, I, there's still hope. No, there's not. I hate to break it to you, but there's not. But for some reason, there's emotional connection, and man, we just refused. You don't understand. These socks were given to me by my great-grandmother. <laughs> and everything in your garage, <laughs> we're not even going to go there, okay? I don't want you guys to start walking out. We're going to feel real bad there. If you're like me, you walk out in your garage, you're like, why in the world do I still have that? And then some memories attached to it. Well, don't think that Noah didn't have the same situation. I mean, this was his home. 
He ate, celebrated God, all these different things as a believer that he did. Fed the animals or however he took care of all that. Don't you think there was some physical connection, some emotional connection, some spiritual connection to that? But you got to love what the Bible says. Leave the boat. If we're going to move into what God has for us, we got to be willing to leave it behind. we got to be asking ourselves, what is our excuse? Many times what we do is simply this. We're asking God to move today, but we look through the eyes of yesterday to see what God's doing today. God, I want to see what you're doing new. I want to be a part of what you're doing new. But God, this is how you moved 20 years ago. This is how you moved 10 years ago. This is how you moved five years ago. Now, I want to encourage you, there's nothing wrong with going back to that spot where you think maybe you and God dropped off. You know what I'm talking about? You know that God was moving, and then you started doing some funky things, and all of a sudden, God, where are you? Well, he never moved. He just ain't going to go there with you. Come on now. He ain't going to leave you or forsake you, but at the same time, he's not going to approve of that behavior either. So there's nothing wrong with going back. But at the same time, we take yesterday's eyes and look for what God's doing today, and we miss what God's doing today because we think he's still operating like he did yesterday. The only difference is today I need my daily bread. I don't need yesterday's daily bread. God, you're doing something new in my heart, in my life. You're trying to move, expand my capacity, greater relationships, all these things that we talk about, God. So how are you moving today? Open up my eyes spiritually and let me have today's eyes for what you're doing today. Noah had to have that. He could not use the view of the ark to see what God was doing. He had to step out of the ark and begin to see what God was doing. See, those things that hold on to our life limits our view. And whenever our view is limited, we have a limited view of God. The only problem with that is what we all know is God's not limited. He's unlimited. So I have to get from that and step out and say, God, no excuses. I want to see as you see. I was reading a little article, Psychology Today. They had about seven things on there. We're only going to go over five. Here's some, some practical things, the reason why, uh, what can help us move on from the past. The number one was consciously deciding to put the past behind you. So is that biblical or is that just good thought? Well, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3 that we forget those things behind us that are behind us and we press on to the things that are for us or that are before us. But we have to consciously make that decision. It's not just a matter of failures. It's also a matter of successes that can hold us back. And we've got to say, I'm going to consciously step into what you have for me. Thank God for the successes. Hopefully, thank God for those failures because I've learned something. But God, I'm going to push in to where you're leading me. So I'm going to consciously let go of that thing behind me. I'm going to do my best to try to forgive. Not just say I'm forgiven, but get down on my knees and ask God to show me and to teach me how to forgive. I'm not only going to try to change this stuff that's behind me, but I'm going to forget about it and push on. God, help my behavior line up with what I think. Number two, take complete responsibility for yourself. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He that covereth his his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You just love reading the King James. Sometimes I just do that for the fun of it just so I appreciate the modern translations more. But he who covers it and acts like it's not there, listen, you're not going to obtain what you're looking for. You have to take responsibility for where you're at. 
I'm telling you, it sets you free when you do that. It's not this person's fault. It's not that person's fault. The reason why I am why I am is because of decisions and choices that I've made. Now, I know that's not always the case, but whenever you're talking about sins and failures and decisions and plans and all this other stuff, if we would say, God, I am where I am because I'm here. And a lot of my choices have gotten me to where I'm at. So, God, I'm going to take responsibility for the things that I can change. So I'm going to let go of that past consciously. I'm going to say, hey, I take responsibility for myself. And then number three, accept the past as it is. John chapter, or 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us. God, I have a past. We all have a past. I have to accept that. And that's the hardest thing. The other day we were at a basketball game and I was inside of a gym that I hadn't been in that gym in probably, I don't know, 20 years. And it brought me back to my high school days because my behavior was not outstanding, if you know what I mean. And I, I remember sitting in that pew just a couple days ago and feeling shame in my life for things that I've said, my actions, that I knew better than doing at the time, but I was so stupid and immature. Does anybody else have that problem on occasion? Just me? Okay, I got you. No, we got some brave ones raising hands. Some women are raising their husband's hand. That's okay. And some men are raising their wives' hands. <laughs> we all fall in that category. We do stuff. And I remember that shame tried to creep up on me. And I began to sit there, and in some ways I wanted to crawl up underneath the pew. Or not the pew, but the bleacher. And then I began to realize that, listen, God has released us from that. We have to accept it and move forward. And say, God, what you have in front of me is greater than what's behind me. God, you've taken my shame. This is the reality about Jesus. He forgives more than we would like to know that he forgives as Christians. So we have to be willing to accept that and move forward forward number four gather your strengths psalms chapter 118 verses 14 the lord is my strength and my song he has become my salvation what a powerful word he has become my salvation the more i lean into him the more i know that he saves me time and time again but we want to lean into our own strengths there's talents there's things that you have that we don't have there's things that, that in your life that is your strengths that other people won't have. You lean into those and you gather them together and say, God, this is what you've gifted me with. I'm going to move forward from, from my past failures and I'm going to begin to strengthen those. But at the same time, we look in this and we understand where ultimately our strengths come from and that is from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So my focus has to be on you, God. It has to be on what you're calling me to, what you're taking me through, what you're speaking to my heart. So I want to keep that in focus, but at the same time, you have given me talents. You have given me these things, so I'm going to lean in on you, on the strengths. Don't ignore your weaknesses. That's the worst thing you can do. Try to get stronger in your weaknesses, but at the same time, we lean into our strengths. And number five, forgive yourself and others. Matthew chapter 18, Peter pops up and he goes, hey, how many? I'm sure he didn't look at Jesus and say, hey, you know what I mean? <laughs> that could have been a bad idea. Of course, he did say, hey, let's rain down fire and brimstone on these people. So he's a brave guy. But he says, so what you're saying, Jesus, is I've got to forgive this person seven times. And I can imagine Peter going, yes, I can't wait till the eighth, buddy. Come on now. And some of us can relate to Peter. <laughs> That's okay. It's not confession time. I'm not a priest. I get it. But... Then Jesus looks at him and says, oh, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. 
forgive somebody 70 times 7. And what he was saying is, keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. It releases you. Unforgiveness is that thing that shackles us to other people and circumstances and situations. So whenever God is telling us to forgive, it's for our own benefit as well. Because we release that. No longer does their opinions or things of that nature have any bearing on me. The one thing that matters more than anything is God's look, as he looks into my life and he tells me what to do. Now, let me, let me, I mean, we have to understand that just because we have forgiveness doesn't always mean we get released from consequences. There are consequences for our actions. But we release that forgiveness. And we say, God, we want to forgive. For unforgiveness, man, ties us to our past because it allows a doorway for shame to creep in. It allows a doorway for excuses. It allows a doorway for us to justify Instead of being like a Noah, being like a Daniel, being like a Moses who in the New Testament was written about that he refused to give in to the good things and the sinful things of the Egyptian life so he could make a stance for God. God, help us to be like that, that we won't be tied to that because we don't want excuses. We don't want those things that, 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 that attach themselves to our lives that keep us from going where you've called us to go. Help us to be like a Noah. Help us to be like a Daniel, ultimately like Jesus Christ. But we do have the matriarchs and the patriarchs in the word of God, even Princess Ruth. Help us. Help us to be like that. That God, we realize that you in our current situation is greater than our past. But God, we gotta trust you. See, Noah's helping us understand that. He got out of the ark, he moved forward. And it's it's something that we must understand that we're not just leaving something, we're going to something. We can't get caught up in what we're leaving. We must get caught up in, God, what are we leaving this for? And we're leaving this for something that you've promised us. And your promises are yes and amen. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, verses, or Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. Now, now then Noah built an ark to the Lord and there he sacrificed his burnt offerings, the animals and the birds that had been approved for this purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent towards evil from childhood. Don't you love the honesty of the word of God? I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and not. And we see one of the great things that Noah did, secondly, first of all, he left the boat with his family. They got off. Number two is he built new behaviors. If we're going to really accomplish what God has called us to do, we have to be serious about building these behaviors. Not just knowing the changes that we need to make, but build the behaviors in our life that, that begin to circle those changes that we want to make and get serious about building them in our life. If it's unforgiveness, if it's forgiveness, if it's savings, if it's relationships, um, stronger, if it's the way you communicate between your spouse or your children, if it's work relationships, whatever it is, God, I'm gonna begin to surround myself with those behaviors that I can implant in my life. And I know that you give the increase, God, but I know that I've gotta make a step for you. Noah had to get off the ark, ark and then he had to build an altar. See, Noah built an altar. This is interesting to me because as far as, as far as I know, in the new in Genesis up to this point, this is the first mention of the altar. Cain and Abel did bring something, a sacrifice. It does say that. 
But the behavior that we see here in, Noah, in Noah's life was something that people hadn't seen. He got off the ark and he built an altar and sacrificed a burnt offering. If 2024 is gonna look different than 2023, then you must not use the same behaviors that you've had solely. God, this is a new year. You're trying to teach me new things. You're speaking into my life. What new behaviors do I need to build in my life? I was praying this morning as we were singing, my soul doth burneth, burn within me. There's one thing about that, that everybody who's saying that a minute, this is the one thing that happens whenever the soul burns within you. You will see your actions change. Your, your soul can just not burn with inside of you. Man, it is being ignited by the Holy Spirit that ignites your soul and says, listen, I have to change this. So this morning in service, as you were feeling that, the Spirit of God was moving over you. Be ready, because God is gonna have to have you change some behaviors in your life to get you to where he wants you to go. Noah stepped off the ark. In just a little while, he built that altar, and he sacrificed how many of you guys enjoyed the Watoto children last week? Super good, right? I cried nearly both services. Precious Elsie and Helen and Miracle all stayed at my house with their um, auntie Caroline, and I cried when they left. I thought I was going to be okay. I wasn't, man. <laughs> I, I turned on their little CD, and they were talking about they have the confidence, and, and it was amazing, and I cried two or three times like many of you guys did. Just thinking about how God had changed their life. And one of my unique pleasures that I had was getting to know Miss Caroline. My daughter really struggles in math. She, she struggles because she doesn't like it. She's not a mathematician. It's funny because some of your faces are like, me too. Okay, I got a friend in the world. She was talking to Miss Caroline about this and saying, listen, I don't like math and I'm not very good in it. Miss Caroline, you know, when you take care of kids, you learn how to shoot straight and don't put up with much stuff. She looks at my daughter. She's known her for a whole two days. <laughs> she looks at my daughter and she says, let me tell you something. She said, if you would begin to love math, you'd begin to do better in it because we do better in those things that we love. So you got to change your attitude and your situation. I was like, yes, I love it. You know, whenever you've been telling, come on, you know, whenever you've been telling your kids something and then all of a sudden somebody else, it happens all the time with Pastor Tanner, somebody else steps into their life and, and Pastor Tanner preaches this message and my daughter comes home like, oh, guess what I learned? I'm like, I've been telling you that for two years. Like, I'm glad you got the point. Of course, inside you're like, oh, praise the Lord. I'm ha so happy. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Was my words not good enough? Well, sometimes it just takes that outside voice, doesn't it? It was amazing because later on I was riding in the car with her and we were sharing that story. I was sharing that story with her just saying thank you. And she told me this. She said, Matt, this is what I understand. She said, I'm a teacher back in Uganda. And she said this. She said, if I do not love math, then my students will not love math. And she said, I know that my attitude directly affects those people around me. If I want them to love things as a student, then I must love that as, the, as their teacher teaching it. Because if I hated it, they're going to hate it. So I don't have a choice but to love it because I want them to love it. These new behaviors in your life, make up that resolve. Yeah, they're gonna be painful because anytime God calls us to do something, there's gonna be a little bit of suffering and sacrifice. That's the reason why we push ourselves away from it. But just know if I love this behavior, then I know this behavior will make the change. It help bring the change that I need about my life. And not only me, but the people around me. Somebody's looking at you. Somebody's looking at you for encouragement. 
Someone is looking at you for inspiration. So don't give up. Those new behaviors, man, step out of that thing that, 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 that maybe entangled you or step out of that thing that was success or whatever. Step into the newness of what God wants to do and say, God, whatever you need to do to stretch my capacity, let my heart be open because it's not just about me. It's also about those people around me. Our men's ministry here is called the Eighth Man's Men's Ministry. And we got that. Pastor and I were in a conversation and as you read about Noah, it says this, that he was the eighth man to get on the ark. What does that mean? That he made sure that his family was taken care of then his needs were taken care of. If we had more men like that, we'd probably live in a different situation. See, as men, we gotta stand up and say, God, I'm gonna put my family's needs before my own. And I know many of you try to do this, but I know that God's challenging you maybe to do a little bit more. You gotta, you gotta hide your eyes. You gotta do those things that's so hard. But God will bless you and he will move in your life to a great degree, men. But it's the same thing as individuals. God, I want to make sure that it's not only my needs here on the table, but it's everybody else's around me as well. Because you're trying to build community. You're trying to build unity. You're doing this. But you're not alone. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The Spirit of God speaks to us on what He wants us to do. Leave those things behind. Create those new behaviors. And we've got good intentions and we wonder why. Why can I not break that cycle? Because we have to lean into the Holy Spirit of God and say, teach me, show me, strengthen me. Because the war is there, it's in all of us. We just read it in scripture that listen, if you're, if you're led by your carnality, then you're gonna lead for destruction because that is not where the Spirit leads. The Spirit leads to the things of God and every one of us have that war inside of us where our flesh wants to go one way, the Spirit wants to go the other and it's which dog you feed the most. Now the Holy Spirit is not a dog. Let me pull back from that feed your faith feed your fear if you do the things of the spirit you begin to feed your faith if we fight through the things of the flesh we feed our faith and that spirit grows with inside of us and takes more and more control and those behaviors begin to be more real and more substantial and more consistent then all of a sudden they become a part of our lives and that whole time it's stretching us it's making us so God can pour out from the windows of heaven like he did when he flooded the earth except for it's his blessings and now all of a sudden our capacity is larger and we can accept more of that in our life see that's really the third thing that we see we see in Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, that God blessed Noah and his sons told them, be fruitful, and he told them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And all the animals of the earth and the birds of the sky and the small animals scurrying along the ground, all the fish in the sea will look to you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. But you must never eat any meat that still has lifeblood in it. And this is what he says. He says, we got to leave the boat. We build these new behaviors. Then listen, let God bless you. 
There's so many times that we turn back the blessings of God because we get into worthiness or we get into I can't handle it or, or I, I, this is familiar with me, God, and you're trying to take me to the unfamiliar. And our faith needs to build up and say, God, whatever you're telling me to do, I'm gonna step out of the boat. I'm gonna make sure I have those behaviors in place to be able to sustain that. And then at the same time as I do that, God, I'm gonna let you bless me. God blessed Noah and his sons. Receive it. Don't fight it. Now, this is the thing that we must understand about blessing. Blessings always come with boundaries. We want blessings, but we don't always want boundaries. If we look in Scripture, that's not how it works. Even here, Noah, I'm gonna set you up on a new earth. I mean, everything's fresh and new, and it's your family, and be fruitful and multiply, and go out there and replenish and do all these things. But there's some restrictions on things you can eat and things like that. And all of a sudden, we begin to see the boundaries there. It works the same way as we're pushing forward and saying, God, we're willing to walk through this door. We're willing to walk in faith. And you're opening up things and putting them in our life, God. Help me recognize the boundaries that you've set because with blessings, there must be boundaries. And we must be willing to accept that and receive that. And say, God, I want to receive your boundaries. Don't get lost in worthy world and all that other stuff. Satan, the world, whatever, you, however, I, Satan's real. If you want to talk about the world chirping in your ear, yourself, you're not worthy, you can't do it, look who you were. Well, the truth is, that's the truth. I couldn't do it. But then that's whenever we read Scripture back and we say, but, but I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new is here to stay. So I'm going to walk forward in this blessing. You're right, the old me couldn't handle this blessing. I didn't deserve this blessing, and I really don't deserve it now, but I am a child of God, so that changes everything, amen? So I'm gonna walk forward in this blessing. We have to make up our mind to stay still. The year is 1854, it's the Crimean War. Russia has decided to take over the world. Does that sound familiar? I guess a whole bunch doesn't change in 150 years, does it? History does repeat itself. They're on the Black Sea, and it's a naval seaport that the Russians have control and the Allied forces are moving in. And they know if they do not hold this stance that they've captured and Russia recaptures that port, that it is a major naval port in the Black Sea and it's all over with. I mean, Russia can move on in. It's the British 91st Regiment that's holding them off. And back in the day, you know, they had muskets, so they would fire the muskets, but the muskets weren't, weren't always accurate. I mean, you would shoot this way, and they might hit the guy at the end of the line, or they might go over their head, or they might shoot into the dirt. It's not like the rifles that we have today. They were standing in lines, and that's how they would work. And all of a sudden, we hear the famous line that we've all heard. Hold the line! Hold the line! The commander of the 91st Regiment knew that if one of those men would have run away and the line would have broke, the enemy would have advanced and taken back over the naval base and the whole world would have changed. It's interesting, that same land that they were fighting over is still part of Ukraine. And he said, hold the line, hold the line, hold the line. Whenever it comes to the blessings of God in your life, hold the line. Yeah, we don't deserve it. Yeah, we didn't do anything really to get to where we are except by the goodness of God. Yeah, we all have a past. Yeah, we all have things we're not proud of. 
But what I'm going to do is stand firm and stand still in the presence of God and let his blessings rain down on my life and accept them as they come. Yeah, my capacity wasn't big, big enough. My, my, my intelligence level wasn't big enough. I couldn't handle it emotionally. Man, I couldn't handle it physically. But I'm no longer who I am. So you hold the line and say, God, you've brought me this far. And I know the enemy is advancing me. And he's, he's assaulting my character. And he's assaulting my past. And he's assaulting my mind and my heart. Because that's what Satan does. He rules around like a lion and he means to devour. But God, I will hold the line. I'm out and letting go of that things behind me. I have set up new intentions and new behaviors in my life and now I will sit in the line and say God I know that I know that I know you will bless me so I'm going to hold the line I'm going to hold the holiness I'm going to hold the righteousness I'm going to do those things of God and I know there's a lot of reasons why I can't but I know that your spirit that's inside of me says that if I'll lean in and I'll do what you say I can hold the line the war inside of me doesn't have to win. See, we're in February now. A lot of these resolutions and decisions have already been forgotten about, but it doesn't mean God still doesn't want you to do them. Just because we forgot about them doesn't mean God didn't tell us to do them. So maybe you do need to go back and find out where you'd left it. Maybe you're at that place where you're thinking, man, I just don't see this. Man, I thought I would do this and do that, and all of a sudden, you know, the mirage of Jesus would show up and everything would be better. It's just not there. Can I tell you, hold the line. The blessings will be there, but you have to hold the line. Don't let the enemy take your fort. You've left it. Leave it behind. You've established those new behaviors and those new patterns. So now you make up your mind that I'm going to hold the line. I'm going to do what's necessary to continue in holiness and righteousness in the things of God. Would you stand with me all over the auditorium? The question is simply this. What's your it? Because we all have it. You feel like it's holding you back and you really need to put it at the foot of the cross. What's your it? Maybe... <laughs> I've started some new things, but it's harder than I thought, and I just need a little bit of encouragement. Maybe it's the final thing of saying, God, I know I just need to hold the line. Where are you at? Because we want to help you. Would you bow your heads with me for a second? I want you to contemplate this and think about this. What do you need help in? The Spirit of God is here to help you. Tear down walls, open up hearts, open up minds. Between you and God. If you don't know God, that is the first step. Surrendering your heart and your life to Him. And if that's where you're at, we want to talk to you. But it begins by that decision. Saying, God, you're my Savior. Come into my life. But for brothers and sisters, we all need a little bit of help. Would you guys look at me for a second? Altar workers, go ahead and be come down front if you would. They're going to pray. As they slip out right now, move from your seats. Come down here. Get some prayer. What is your it? What do you need help with? As they move, you move out right now. It takes a lot of guts. I understand, and God can touch you in your seat. But would you bow your heads with me? Because I know it's hard, and we're going to pray. And I want you to be released, and then we're out of here.
But if you need to come down to the front, it's your chance. What are you trying to get rid of? Just want to be stronger? You've started some habits, and man, I want to make sure that I get help. Father, I just pray for your grace and mercy, and as people are released to come down front as we pray. We're not here to judge. We're not here to do any of that thing, God. What we want to do instead is encourage them. Father, we're proud of them for coming down front. It takes a lot of guts. And God, what you're doing in the seats, we appreciate that. Decisions are being made. Father, we praise you and we worship you for that opportunity. We don't want to miss anybody. In a couple minutes, we're going to be headed out the doors. But if you want prayer, if you want help, come down. I encourage you. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy on these wonderful people. Father, help us to be like Noah. Help us to be like Daniel. Help us to be like the apostles, ultimately Jesus. Help us to be like you as you lead us into new territory, God. We're willing to start new behaviors. We're willing to get out from what's kept us from behind, God. We're willing to do those things that you've called us for. Thank you for this wonderful people that are in the seats, God. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Thank you for blessing them and challenging them, God. Thank you for the commitments that they've made. And I just pray that, God, your spirit would speak to them, encourage them, Father. Thank you for the ones who have come down. God, thank you for what you're doing. We bless your name. God, help 2024 to be greater than 2023. Help us, God. You see the needs that are all over the room, God. We just place those in your hands and pray that you bless them, that you encourage them. Show up in a mighty way, God, financially, physically, spiritually, whatever it might be, God, that you would touch them and encourage them, God. Thank you for what you're doing, and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, can you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen, amen. Hey, we love you guys. We know there's some stuff going on in the seats. They're going to continue to pray. You're dismissed. Don't forget to sign up for our Super Bowl Sunday parties. And uh, we'll see you tonight at 6. We love you guys. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.